Okay, hi everybody. Welcome all to our shear on uh, Parshas Bamidbar with an emphasis on the modern miracles, particularly Yom Yushalayim that is coming up. And of course, Shavuos, which is also coming up. But we have a, a few things to do before we start our shear. Number one, before the dedications even, we have to say, that all of you listening on Torah anytime, and even if you're listening not on Torah anytime, on a different site, if you have benefited, which you have, if you've learned anything from because of Torah anytime's work, uh, if, it, it, being that we have benefited from Torah anytime in such an enormous way, particularly our group, we are, um, I'm asking you, I'm sorry, I'm asking you to, Click on the homepage of Torah Anytime, find the fundraising campaign that they are in the middle of now and find Team Esther Ween Go Creators. We're called Go Creators, okay? And make a contribution to Torah Anytime. It's it's Hakarasatov and it is, be, you know, it allows us to be part of this enormous explosion of Torah that is streaming out all over the world. And I must mention, that last year, you know this, our team was the team that had the most donors, meaning the most people came out and showed up and gave in virtually and uh, showed their Harkarsa Tov to Torah anytime. We didn't raise the most amount of money because one team had like three donors and raised $150,000. So, you know, somebody's brother was... <laughs> Decided to bail them out totally, but no, I'm kidding. But um, but in terms of how many people, you know, really uh, showed a Karsatov to the Kol Yaakov brothers and Yosef Davies and Mayer, who's constantly, who I'm constantly harassing with my uploads, and they work their heads off and they and they do it with shame Shemayim, and they fulfill this enormous dream they had of creating to anytime. So go ahead and click on the campaign link and make a donation to our team so we can maintain our title as champions. <laughs> because <laughs> that is what we do. We are, the, this is Nashim Sidkanias. Okay, next. Our shear is entitled, Do Not Know Thyself. Does anyone know where Know Thyself comes from? We'll get there. But it is dedicated by Varda Birnbaum for Fushlema for her friend. By Rifki Young Rice, thank you, Kodesh Baruch Hu, for the continued godel, uh, uh, good health of Godel Yehuda Ben Rezel and Rafur Shleimah Bekarov Lechole Yisrael. By Tamara Binowitz, Lili Nishmas, her mother, Mirka Miriam Basruvin. And by Jocelyn Stern, in loving memory of her beloved mother, Chayizlata Bashol, and Idel on her 14th yard site. Now, you could read a little bit in your source material, which you can get by sending me an email. If you're not getting it already, it's estween at gmail, okay? Estween at gmail. Now you could read about her, her, uh, her mother. Okay, what does know thyself mean, and how's it going to relate to Parshas Bamidbar, Yom Yishlam, and Shavuos? <laughs> and how specifically? This is what Heshi calls connect the dots, <laughs> connect all the dots. Okay, so which is not so hard in Yiddishkeit because they're all connected anyway in Judaism. All right, so why do we say do not know thyself? So does anyone know where know thyself comes from? Huh? Isn't that Shakespeare? Way before Shakespeare. Oh. oh. That's true. I'll tell I'll about But where is the famous quote, know thyself? The Bible. Yeah. No, it is the it is from ancient Greece. It was on inscribed on the temple to Apollo. Okay, it's called the Oracle. You know about the Oracle, Delphi? Okay, a little. So now the thing is that know thyself in, to them meant know your limits, stay in your lane. Don't over, over, uh, you know, overreach. Because in Greece, if you look at all the Greek tragedies, it's always the same exact theme. A human being becomes overly confident in their own understanding of things and makes a fatal mistake. So stay in your lane is the Greek aphorism, know thyself. It also means, there's another way of saying it, you are mortal. 
okay? And, um, and uh, it's meant to obviously address the, the really what we talk about in relationship with Eitzadas, the human getting ahead of themselves. However, we also know that you must know yourself because, uh, because otherwise, first of all, we all want to. The, there is no, the, there is a reason why there's a multi-billion dollar psychology in, uh, industry. Everybody wants to know themselves. Everybody loves talking about themselves. Everybody <laughs> loves to contemplate themselves. Everybody loves to analyze themselves. We love understanding ourselves. So what we're going to learn about today is, you know, who we are. And it's um, the exact opposite of a, a lot of the, of the way a lot of Western culture um, approaches this. You know, one of the classical mantras today in terms of like self and self-knowledge and who, you know, um, one of the ways this is expressed is um, in terms of people's bodies and bodies, body parts. So not only do people think they're expressing themselves because of how they decided to rearrange their body parts, but, or whatever, or chop some more for add some, and that, that's called uh, self-expression. That's called myself. This is me, my body parts. I mean, that's a far cry when me was like my ideas, my science, my kind of art, you know, my music, my, okay. But more than that, even in certain agendas like abortion, there is a mantra like my body, my choice. I own my body, which is obviously idiotic because really your body, your choice. Did you choose to be born with this particular genetic makeup? Did you choose? <laughs> okay. But in any case, let's talk about how Torah, you know, enlightens us in this area. Our bodies, our choice. Let's, let's think about that. And let's think about it. Um, through analyzing math, numbers, numbers, numerical lists in Bamidbar. They're going to show us some fascinating things that say, you ain't your body, ain't your choice. Okay, watch this. There are magical numbers all throughout Parshas Bamidbar. There, you can go online and you can see all the scholars saying it's completely historically infactual that 600,000 men between the age of 20 and 60 left Mitzrayim. Those numbers are exaggerated, et cetera, et cetera. Without going into debate about whether these numbers are true, um, isn't it slightly strange, okay, that it is a historical fact that there were 600,000 Jews approximately in the land of Israel in 1948? Wasn't that an odd coincidence? How did that happen? Somehow 649,000 Jews made their way to Israel and were there in 1948. So it's a, you know, the, 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 uh, the coincidence, the parallels like of, you know, the rebirth of our nation and the rebirth and the birth of our nation of Mitzrayim, you know, just somehow worked out literally the same numbers like what is going on here okay let's go even deeper though now this year we got to do a little bit of math so let's keep our eye this is my grandfather's observation let's keep our okay keep let's keep a tally so in Parshas Bamidbar our, our safer the we had there is a census and it comes out to 603,550 the Torah does round up to the 50s or to the 100 so approximately 600,000 people this is stated clearly except this number does not include Levium. So watch this. So now Hashem tells Moshe to go count the Levium. Moshe goes and counts them. And how many do they come out to be? 22,000. So it's really 603 of men, right? But then you add Shevet Levi, which is the entire Shevet Levi, okay? And uh, I'm sorry, uh, the, the males of uh, one month and older, okay? of Shevet Levi. So you have a male count for 603, right? And then you have a, a, a male count of 600, it seems. And then you have 22,000 Levium. Okay, so the total population, obviously, of males go, rises. But in any case, you have 22,000 Levium. Now, what happens next? Hashem says, I'm going to replace the firstborn sons in the entire nation of six, 
which is one second, 603,000 males between 20 and 60. But what Hashem is going to do and take the, go replace the firstborns among that number, okay, with the Levium. Now there's 22,000 Levium. So Moshe does a census of all the firstborns in Israel, okay, in Am Yisrael, which are, who are between um, uh, all the firstborns in Israel, okay, and how many do they get? 22,273. How is it that the amount of Sheva Levi over a month and the amount of all the firstborn males in the entire nation basically come out the same number? So let's do the math. The 22,273 firstborns represent 3.7% of this number, 603,550. Okay, so of all the males between 20 and 60, you can go to the army, 3.7%, all right, are the um, are firstborns. Now, this means, all right, that uh, less, that means that, um, that, that, okay, now this means that a huge percentage 22,273, okay, firstborns were born. This, the whole, all this number was born between 20, 19 and 59 years before the Gula, before the Gula, okay. The, there, there, before the Gula, 22,000 Levium were born in a tiny shape. It's only 22,000, 22,000 males, I'm sorry, males were born. And at the same time, an entire population all right, there were only 22,273 before him. What happens here? So what happens is that, um, and by the way, of the 22,000 Levium, 8,580 8, were between the ages of 30 and 50, which required them to work in the base of Migdash. Now, 8,580 is 39%. So 39% of the Shevet of Levi was old enough to work in the Mishkan when, Mo when Moshe counted them. All right, now, here's the thing. What that means is, Shevet of Levi was a tiny Shevet, 22,000. All the other Shvatim were much, much, much larger. And they were pumping out Levium in the last, in the in these 20 years, 30 years before the Geula. They're pumping out Levium were being born. At the same time, very, very few firstborn males were being born in the rest of the nation to keep the numbers equal. So who was being born in all those years prior to the Geula, the firstborns were all girls. There was a surge of firstborn girls in the... That's right. There was a surge of firstborn girls, okay? if So in order to make... In, in order, remember this. In order to have an equal exchange, essentially, of Bechorim to Levium, all right, you can only have about 22,000 firstborn sons born which means that the, the, the surge, there was a surge of girls being born. Now, when somebody got pregnant and had a firstborn girl, they said, Mazel Tov, that's fabulous. But they had no, under, they didn't realize that the Dafka didn't have a boy so that there should be only 22,000 firstborn sons to switch with the Levium. So Karen when, made the boys be thrown into the... Yeah. So, very good question. So now the question is, why was so here the, there's a bigger question how come Sheva Levi was so small and they and among all the Shvatim and yet there was so and they're you know still ended up with this number the answer is because Sheva Levi was not enslaved so they did not get the bracha of increasing and increasing six at one time or whatever that means they did not get the bracha but the rest of Amishol that were enslaved got the bracha of increasing and increasing and had uh that much but they also had the bracha of having firstborn girls, which is Chazal say a simon bracha. But the point is when people were having babies and a boy came out or a girl came out, they did not yet realize that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was making sure that there would be only 22,273 firstborn males equal to 22,000 Levium so that now Hashem would inter exchange the Levium for the firstborns. Now, question, which we're not really going to talk about today, okay? But why are the Levium exchanged for the firstborns? That is a very important and interesting question, all right? 
because wait, wait, we're I, not going to go into it in so much detail, darling. Yafa. So I'm not really looking for an answer to a rhetorical question. I just, I just want to mention one thing. There's an underlying message here, which about firstborns, that Judaism Torah came to really deconstruct the concept that you automatically, by virtue of the fact that you're firstborn, you know, by by definition, have a higher status or 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 play a higher role. By us, it is earned. It has to be earned. We earned Amishal as a whole earned the title of Bani Bahori because a Bahar is a uh, quasi-parent, quasi-child, representing the the values of the parents to the child. It's a it's a status you earn. The Levium earned the status of firstborn because they went out and represented Hashem's values, Mila Hashem Eli. So they actually became essentially um, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's partners here, they took or they replaced the Bechor as, uh, uh, or wrote, I don't know, as the first, as the firstborn in a way, doing the service of the firstborn. But now we're going to take this idea question. even deeper. Next question. If it's very related. <laughs> okay. Now let's, we're going to take this topic a little bit deeper. So we just said, why did we just do this little interesting math, you know, a math uh, experiment? to show that when we think about who we are and we think about ourselves and our identity and our freedom to express ourselves, the first thing, you know, just reading the Torah, we are learning, take a step back for a second. Do you realize you need to know that you're more than just yourself? Hashem is literally working through you. Like the, who gives birth to boys and girls and when is all part of a greater plan. So first of all, as Amishol, you are actually sort of part of a momentum of Hashem's Ratzon that you might not become aware of till much, much later. So you're not a free agent. Nobody's a free agent. Nobody's you know, living exclusively by their own determination of how things should be, obviously. So that's number one. But let's go way deeper into the more Kabbalistic realms or higher, we would say about understanding how much we are part of a much greater story that's unfolding and a much greater reality that we cannot really see with our five senses. Okay, let's go deeper. So in Devarim, not in our Parsha, but related to Shavuot. So wait, let's stop here for a second. Regarding Yom Yerushalayim, which was such a, which is, you know, really such a, such a gift from HaKadosh Baruch Hu and really miraculous. We, um, and of course, everyone knows the miracles of the, the war of the six days. You know, we are, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is speaking through the Jewish people. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, is acting through the Jewish people. We are acting, we are making our, you know, doing our effort, putting in our effort. I think America, and, 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 and at least we, we're, we're supporters of the whole story that's unfolding in Eretz Yisrael. We should at least have that to but it's unfolding there, that's for sure. And, uh, and, and, and although we put in our efforts and we do our hardest work, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is speaking through us in ways we not, might not even fully understand yet through all the great people, the, uh, the, the powerful, the people of enormous spiritual fortitude that live and make up our population there at Israel. Okay, but now let's go deeper and see why that is. So there is a Pasuk in Devarim. Ramban tells us it's actually a mitzvah. Okay. The Pasuk says, Raki Shomer Lacha, be very cautious. Shmur Nafshacha, and guard your nefesh. Keep those words in mind. Shmur Nafshacha. Almost sounds like, when do we use that phrase? Shmur Nafshacha. Shma. Yeah, but, but what's it a mitzvah? We say, what mitzvah do we associate with Shmartim Odal Nafshasechem? Keep yourself healthy, keep your body in good working form, right? So Ramam says, he's Shemar Lecha, watch yourself. Shemar al-Nafshecha, Shemar Nafshecha, Ma'od, okay? Pen tishkach es ha-devarim, lest you forget the, the devarim, the words and the things. Asher ra'oi necha, that your eyes saw, upen yasur milavavcha, kol yimei lest let it be 
removed from your heart all the days of your life, and you should let it be known to your children and your grandchildren. Ramban, as you see here, essentially counts it as a mitzvah. There's a machlokas why Ramban counts it as a mitzvah, Rambam doesn't, but Ramban counts it as a mitzvah to pass on to your children the experiences, not the Torah you were taught, not the Aserah Sedibros, what Hashem taught you to teach them Torah, not that. To pass on the experience I mean, in addition to that, that's obviously mitzvah. To pass on the experience we went through at Harsinai, not to neglect, to pass on the physical, experiential sort of moment that we um, that we lived through at Harsinai. So the question is, what was that about? What really happened at Harsinai? What was the national collective experience that we must constantly give over to our children and the question that everybody asks it's a legitimate question especially in Kirov when or even not in Kirov in Kirov Krovim why how could they have promised that they will accept the Torah and pass on to their children and grandchildren like and basically obligate me thousands of years later you know so Ramban is saying here that not specifically that question, but it's a mitzvah. We have an obligation to make sure that we do pass on information that is so compelling that it will bind and obligate our children like it bound and obligate us. What is that? What are we telling them that happened at Harsina? So the question is, you know, was it entirely intellectual, the experience? Was it prophetic? So this is a big machlokas, because if it was prophecy, we know that when a person experiences prophecy, it's overwhelming to their senses, and they fall on the floor, have a seizure, and also, and even above that, a person has to be worthy of that sort of bursting through of Hashem's sort of truths and ideas or reality into a, a limited human mind. It's overwhelming. It like short circuit the whole thing, which it does, Okay. So if it would be pure nevuah, they would all be in some trance-like state, probably sleeping, having, you know, going through an out-of-body experience. If it's purely lima Torah, Talmud Torah, it would be intellectual, and they'd be awake, and they'd be learning. Now, we call it mama at Harsinai. They were standing. Standing means they were not sleeping in a trance-like state. They were, they were, they were, absorbing this information awake, which means it sounds more like learning, like intellectually understanding things. But we also learned that every time Hashem said one of the Dibros, right. exactly, left them and they collapsed. So what we are learning is it was an experience that was both under one of in, of understanding through the mind, like the mind understood stuff, but it was also so overwhelming that it completely short-circuited the mind and overwhelmed the person and they couldn't endure it. And it did not. And yet, nevertheless, the experience was seared into our psyche as something that we viscerally understood in an overwhelming way that it took away our, like, it, it just like, it just, uh, it, you know, yeah, took away our capacity to endure it almost. And yeah, we knew what it was. So it made its way into our mind. We were standing and learning. How does it work? Now, this is just a digression. But Rambam says in Mornavuchim, just interest, that the way Nebuah worked is that the Navi prepared and prepared and prepared and entered into a state where they, um, their, their mind was open to perceive Okay, uh, way beyond their normal capacity. But when those messages, think about the, the baby in the womb with the umbilical cord, a huge overwhelming surge comes through the umbilical cord. Okay, like way more than, than we can normally handle. And their minds were not capable yet of comprehending these ideas, these truths that they were being now, that was being now sort of, you know, um, that was entering their mind. So what happened with the Navi? So these, this, these messages okay, went from the intellectual center, which was not capable of absorbing them and understanding them, into the imaginative center, the imagination, what you would call subconscious, right? 
took these ideas, converted them into images, mishalim, and then the Navi saw the mashal and understood what the message was. And by the way, Freud, lahavdil, 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 he would look at your dream, what your imagination whipped up from your subconscious and tell you what it's trying to say to you because the intellect can't, can't receive it. The intellect is, doesn't, is, is not, uh, doesn't have the, um, you know, the, the, it doesn't have the, the framework yet to understand it. So it goes into the imagination, whips up images, which come from a person's, you know, um, regular uh, frame of reference. So for example, if a Navi was very, uh, there are examples, if a Navi was very um, educated, so their mashallah would be different than a Navi that was very, uh, that was a farmer. They would work with different mashallah because it came from whatever your, your frame of reference was. And then the imagination would whip up these ideas into a mashallah that was consistent with that person's frame of reference. And then the person would understand the message through the mashallah. So here, Amishal, we are taught that what Benishal saw at Harsinai was even more than Yechezkel. Okay, now what did the Nevi'im see? What was this? So the Nevi'im, the Nevi'im saw what we call Masa Merkava. Now let's try to understand what that means. Okay, so look in page five. It says, Vayidaber Elokim Eskol Hadram Ha'ela. Hashem spoke all these things. Rashi says that Hashem said all these words in one utterance, something that it is impossible for a human being to do. By the way, from here on in, the first half was my grandfather. This, this is Ramos Shapiro on Bamidbar 5775. Okay. So what does it mean that he spoke all the utterances in one moment, which is something that is impossible? So then why does the Torah give us special separate commandments as you know, distinct messages, distinct statements? Because Rashi says he went and repeated expressly each of these, um, two, the first two, really, the first two commandments. So what is trying to say is like this. The Benesal experienced something which they understood everything that is contained in the first two commandments instantaneously, visually, but not with their eye, with their third eye, so to speak, with their mind's eye, okay? They instantaneously saw everything that Hashem would then say. What you just experienced can be described in the following words. You just saw that I, what you just, that are the everything, everything that dictates and controls and governs everything. And what you just saw is, there is nothing else. There are no other forces. Everything that exists is part and parcel of Anochi Hashem. You just saw that and you just saw more than that. Now they get to what Yechezkel saw. And how did they see it? They said they didn't see it. It wasn't a pure intellectual experience. It was something that, that information that was absolutely true that overwhelmed their intellect, um, emerged in their mind's eye as an understanding of vision of some sort, which then was translated into intellectual, in, you know, words, Anochi Hashem lo lo That's how it went. Wait, 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 wait. So now, what did they see in that everythingness? They, so again, they didn't hear, the experience went like this. They had a moment of overwhelming clarity in which everything fell, everything that existed in the world was seen as part of the oneness of a Kaddish Baruch including themselves as we'll see. Then Hashem took it back to their consciousness and said, here are the words that define what you just saw. Okay, now, what does it feel like to see Anochi Hashem and Lo Yelacha? What does it feel like? What is it? What What did that look like? So, if you look in the Medrash Rabban Shmos, Parsha Yudbeis Pasuk Gimel, Kishabara Akadosh Baruch Olam, when Hashem created the world, Gazar Amri, He decreed and said, Hashemayim Hashemayim LaHashem, VaAretz Nasan LeVneadam. There are two realms. There's a Shemayim and there's Aretz. We use a Mashal. Remember our mashal for the Shemayim? The placenta. There's an entire realm in which non-physical forces that govern how life uh, plays out down here through the Ratzon Hashem, they all inhabit this higher realm called Shemayim. 
the malachim, everything Yecheskel saw, the kochos, the spheros, anything that are the ideas, the concepts, the, the, the spiritual forces that HaKadosh Baruch Hu works through, they exist in a realm called Shamayim, okay? Our realm, which they play out in real life, is called the Eretz, okay? So HaKadosh Baruch Hu's desire to have 22,000 Levium and 22,000 firstborns that was up there, it plays out in real life down here, okay? But that's the higher realm. Now, what happens? When Hashem wanted to give us the Torah, he was mavatal this, he nullified this gezerah of the distinction between the two realms. The, the lower realms are going to go up to the higher realms and the higher realms are going to come down to the lower realms. There will no, be no distinction between them. I'll start. Doesn't mean physically that Hashem is a solid or a liquid or a gas and came down in one place. It means that our lower consciousnesses were able to perceive what's going on in the higher realm, which they call the Masa Merkava, and get a glimpse of the infrastructure of existence, which is non physical, it's forces and ideas and truths and Kochas and Hashem created, they got to see the infrastructure, everything that explains what's going on down here, okay? And, and we were, so we were elevated and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so to speak, came down into our consciousness for a moment. For a moment, there was a total, what we call transparency. We were able to see what we're part of and how it works. And we were able to see that we are an extension of, an expression of an entire realm, okay? That is non-physical. That is a direct, direct manifestation of Ratzon Hashem, of Hashem's Ratzon and Hashem's design. That's what we saw, okay? Now, Yechezkel describes what he saw. So if you try to read Perak Aleph and Yechezkel, he literally gives you all the Mishalim that his mind saw which were trying to help him understand the kochos of what Hashem was showing him about how the world operates. What are all the kochos that Hashem put into play? So his mind in, uh, 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 provided for him mishalim. So a malach, when he describes a malach with wings and one leg, it's just a mushal for something completely not physical. Okay. But here's the thing that Moshe always talked about. You know what Yechezkel describes? He see, he tells you the whole, there's a whole world up there and a chariot and various animals and all this stuff. He says, umimal rakia, and there's a rakia, there's a higher a level partition, rakia, uh, an expanse of the higher realm, whatever. All these words have meanings that were, I don't know yet fully, and I probably won't. <laughs> and uh, and uh, takes a lot of of understanding. They're not nothing is to be understood simply here. But it's in Rosham, and above the in the rakia, above their heads, talking about the the spiritual creatures, Kemare Evan Sapir the There was a semblance of a sapphire throne, a throne. Okay, this is all, all right. Now look at this. Ba'al the and upon the appearance of a throne, again, not a real throne, upon the appearance, the image of a throne, okay, which is sapphire, right? Um, what was there an appearance of? What, what was upon the appearance of the throne? An appearance of something that looked like Adam. Uh -huh. Essentially, Yechezkel is saying, I saw this heavenly realms I saw all these forces. I saw the appearance of a throne. And on that throne, I saw the appearance of a person sitting on the throne. So this in itself is an entire course to try to decipher what Yechezkel is saying, right? However, one thing Moshe talked about, and, uh, it's, and that we, you know, that it's fundamental to understand. When Yechezkel looked into the higher realms of what we call Shemayim, and he saw a throne. Now, throne means something. Throne, we always talk about kisad kavod. It means that in the, uh, you know, we think about a king with a throne. When a king sits on a throne, it means that that king 
is seen and known and granted authority to govern, right? So when on a simplest level, when Hashem is, when there's a throne, okay, means that the person on the throne is granted dominance, sovereignty, authority to govern, then they are the one that's running the whole show of all these things that Yechezkel saw, all the malachim and all the chayos and all that. Above it all is the throne and above the throne is Mara Adam, a person. This is what Yechezkel saw. Our Moshe explains that's what we saw at Harsina. What does that mean? What that means is that we saw that we ourselves talk about identity and who we are, that we ourselves, okay, are in the image of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and we ourselves, okay, are ultimately in a place of control or authority. We dictate how all the forces operate in the world. We, the human being, being at Selim Lakim is what we call about creator on the highest level that HaKadosh Baruch has invested the human being with the capacity, the seichel and the chachma and the bina and now giving us Torah, the ability to determine how things are going to unfold down here. Will the world come to a kakaras Hashem? Will a recognition of Hashem or not? Now, what that means is we saw, what did we see at Harsinai? We saw that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to show us Pull away the machitza, which is really how it's described in, in other midrashim. Pull away the veil. Create transparency. You know what we saw up there? Something that looked like us. And we realized that our physical body down here was just a replica of an Adam, a human being, that, had, that was made out of non-physical forces. We saw that what the that our physical bodies and our physical ani and our physical self was actually a mushal, a little physical like model airplane, okay, of a great, you know, of the of the really of the of the um the ultimate uh, pinnacle of the bria itself, which is what we call the other, a human being, and that we were meant to live in sync with that. And we were meant to know what that was. Here's where it comes. And we were meant to know what is a human being. And what we saw at Harsinai in Anoche Hashem and Lo Yelechaz, we saw that there's oneness called HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that everything is part of it. And we, the human being, is the most important part of it all. And it all flows through the human being. And everything that, that plays itself out down here and all the truths that are manifest down here, they come through, they're channeled by the human being who sits on top of the throne of it all. So we began to know ourselves, but not the stay in your lane, your limited self, the extreme opposite. We began to know ourselves as the ultimate selamilukim through whom everything is supposed to be channeled and it's supposed to represent a Kodesh Baruch In fact, this is what Eov says. Eov says, Eov says, in, in a, he says, um, after my skin had been peeled off, in other words, when he lost his identification with his physicality, from my own flesh, from myself, I began to know God. There are two ways to discover who we are and how we're meant to live and the... the uh, the majesty of what a human being is and therefore what a human being is here for. There are two ways. Matan Torah was a Kodesh Baruch said, I'm just going to show it to you. Okay, that's it. Time has come. I know you're not ready for it. I know your minds are not ready to absorb this. I know you don't see yourself like this. You're still in your slave you know, mentality of just trying to survive. But I am going to basically you know, overwhelm you with this glimpse with this momentary glimpse of who you really are, I'm going to tear open the heavens and I'm going to show you what the greatest Nevi'im after a life of preparation finally got to see. And I know it's too much for you and I don't expect you to be able to absorb it, but it's going to be seared into your mind's eye forever. And you're going to know it's true because you didn't learn it intellectually. You saw it. You experienced it, and then you you processed it with your intellect. But first, you you experience it, and it's going to be seared into your collective psyche as an experience that you can never forget. But I know 
that there is no way uh, that anyone other than Moshe is going to be able to actually absorb this in a in a in a real way. Everyone else will just be sort of like imagine a nuclear explosion, but you have no gear to protect yourself from it. Overwhelming. It's called just a meltdown, which is what happened. But nevertheless, it's in our mind. So if so, is that if you know, why did Akadosh Baruch do that? Is that well, so? You, there, there's an idea that we've talked about. It's shocking. It's a shocking idea, but it's it's uh, it's an important idea to understand. Did you notice that nowhere in the entire Sefer Bereshis to the Avos and all the various brises that Hashem made, Britot, that Hashem made with the Avos, never says, I'm going to give you a Torah, says, I'm going to take you out of, I'm going to put you in Mitzrayim, I'm going to take you out of Mitzrayim, I'm going to bring you to Canaan. If you he says, that was Brisbane of Sarum. He tells him, you're going to go down, I'm going to make a bris in you with you. I'll be your God. You'll be my people. Your children will inherit Canaan. Even when Hashem speaks to Moshe at the snare, he says, I'm going to come down. I'm going to take him out. I'm going to bring him to Canaan. It never says, I'm going to give them a Torah. So the short answer is, because I know this sounds crazy, there was never meant to be a moment in history where Hashem gave us the Torah. Rather, the, the growing awareness of who we are and how we're supposed to live and the understanding of the synchronicity that we are much more than a physical creature was something that was meant to be and was for a long time, a natural development that human beings were to come to on their own. And this is what happened. Avraham came to it on his own. Look in Pasuk Devarim 32.6. Um, this says we are Ami souls referred to as Am Novel Velo Chacham, a nation that is not wise, a person, a, a, a people that is not, uh, not that don't understand, they're not wise. The Gra, the Vilnagon on the Medrashan Chuma says, Why are we called not wise? And you know what the answer is because Hashem had to give us a Torah. What does that mean? Well, how did Avram get to it? So it says, Mehechum Lamar Avram as the Torah. How did Avram get to the Torah? Rabbi Shimba Yechai Omer. Rabbi Shimba Yechai says, of course, whenever you hear of Shimba Yechai, you know you're in, right? His two kidneys were like two teachers. They were like two pitchers of water and they were like pouring out Torah. In other words, he learned it from himself. Af Leilas, and he quotes a Pasuk, and Rabbi Levi says, So really there's a little distinction here that he had a certain wellspring within him of growing understanding, right? That was sort of like enlightening him, but where did it come from? So Rav Moshe explains, I, I, here's the uh, Rav Daniel Barron's, you know, synopsis of the shir that I'm working with, and I'm only doing a tiny part of the shir, by the way, a few ideas. Um, once a person starts looking for truth, it starts filling them. So it starts sort of like self-generating, like they, Hashem guides them, Hashem sort of gives them opportunities to learn more and understand more. But Rabbi Levi says, He learned it from himself. So the Gras says, why are we called a, we're not a, a nation that's low enough and we're not smart? He says, because really, HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the human being and all of Teva in such a way that we should discover from within ourselves, from how we work, from how we think, from what we want, from what satisfies and dissatisfies us, from what makes us feel inspired, what makes us feel good. We should learn about who we are literally from ourselves. But because people as Amisol in Mitzrayim tended to veer off from that, not put in the work, not put in the effort, although Avram did it, he passed it on to Yitzchak and he passed it on to Yaakov. And by the way, let's digress here for a half a second. You know the famous Medrash, which is very relevant to Shavuos, that um, it's from the Sifri, uh, that Hashem asked of the nations to be Makabal Torah. Uh -huh. Remember that? And the nation, so so first he goes to uh, Esav, I think, I'm not sure the order, and Esav says, what's in it? And he says, well, you can't, uh, can't kill. And Esav says, but it's in our essence to kill. He quotes a Pasuk, it's our essence. It's like how we are, it's our psyche, it's our nature. And he goes to Shmuel and says, what's in it? Don't steal. Says, but it's our nature, but it's our essence. That's the word. <laughs> then he goes to 
Then he goes to um, Moab and he says, what's in it? And they said, you can't be, a, you know, you can't be a, no adultery, no immorality. And they go, but it's in our essence. And he goes to Amishol and they said, we'll change our essence. We'll change how we think about ourselves, which is what Davra Melech means when he says, so rascha besoch mei. It's become who I am. I've changed my essence. So by the way, this medrash, Question, when did this event happen? When did Hashem have a conversation with the nations? And the answer is not the night before Harsina. It doesn't mean that. There's no mass event all over the world. It means that as Avraham was developing, everybody, Amon, Moab, Esav, Shmuel, they all had exposure to Avraham. They all heard about these ideas that transformed the way we think about ourselves. And Avraham figured out, but they said, no, I don't want to think about myself differently. I don't want to think about myself as some sort of synchronized, some, some creature in sync with a higher, you know, godly essence. I don't want to think about myself the way. My essence is that I am in survival mode. I do what my, my pleasures and my, and my desire for pleasure and my desire to avoid danger, right? I am motivated by and catering to my fears and my desires. And that's how I want to think about myself. So all along the way that Avram was teaching these ideas and changing our self-concept. And then he taught it to Yitzchak, okay, and the Imahos too. Yitzchak, and the Ace of Ops out, and then Yaakov. And the, in other words, we were the people that were, that, that, that committed to at Harsinai and wanted to change our essence of how we view ourselves. And that's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu showed us at Harsinai who we are. He showed us the Shamayim, and then the Shamayim all on the, on the very top was us. And Akadosh Baruch explained what it means to be a Tzalmak, and we got it, we got it. And that is seared into our head. And the Gras says, there's another way, okay? Had we not drifted off in Mitzrayim into back out of this self-concept, back away from the self-concept, back into the Egyptian survival, sensual, you know, type of mentality, which is really the definition of 49th level of Tumah. It doesn't mean we're murderers and thieves and rapists. It just means we didn't hold on anymore to this con the concepts of Avram. We were getting Atum. Tum means blocked. No transparency. Tumah. Atum means blocked. We were getting blocked again. That's why Hashem said, okay, I made a promise to the Avos. You're, you're come from a whole different you know, legacy of people, a whole different line. I am going to show you. I'm going to give you a shortcut. Lightning pass to what Avram and Yitzchak and Yaakov and everybody figured out that you are now losing because you're you are in Mitzrayim. I made a promise to get you out of Mitzrayim and I'm going to show you, I'm going to give you a, I'm going to just give it to you on a silver platter. Had you been more chacham, had you held on to it, I wouldn't have had to do this. But now that you drifted away out of my love and my promise for the Avos, I'm going to give you the whole thing in one minute, uh, you know, a, a lifelong journey a multi-generational journey. You're going to get it all, all the chachma in one split second. <laughs> and I know it's going to be too much for you, but I want you to see it. I want you to see what, you know, who you are and what you're part of and what your obviously mahas were trying to teach. So that's what happened at Harsinai. Look at the yeah, nefesh. So, so he's, he's saying that the idea the gift of Asa Torah was just came out just decided while we so you're asking a great question. If you look, I, 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 uh, I um, direct you to the Rambam. Just Google it on Safari. Rambam, okay, first go, go to Laws of Idol Worship, Hilchas of read chapter one. He gives the entire story. And he actually says, because the root, the sapling that Avram had, had, had planted, and the ideas, which are passed to Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, and then Shevet Levi was designated to keep these ideas alive. But because this root was almost totally untethered, almost totally disconnected, Rambam says, Hashem made Moshe. In other words, he invented, he created a Moshe with this out, you know, once in a in history a level of Nevoah, sent him to, to Mitzrayim to take out the Jews, okay, and to bring them to Sinai and give them a Torah. So it, Believe it or not, according to Rambam, you know, there could have been a different path and we got the Torah. And now we were always, uh, the Torah would always have, okay, there could be no existence without the under, understanding, which we call Torah. 
the understanding of, of what we call Torah, okay, there could have been no existence. Obviously, when we say Torah preceded the world, very important. We don't mean our written Torah. The primordial Torah, which is with the truths of all things, the total, um, the Anoche Hashem Lo the absolute reality of called the Metzias, that pre-existed the world. Now, what is our Torah? Our Torah is the stories of how humanity lost and found that understanding and who the people were that were the primary players in that story. That's what our Torah is about. Our Torah is, the written Torah that we have is the is, is uh, basically you know showing us and building many 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 layers into the story into the and into the mitzvahs into the whole Torah many layers are built in but essentially how it was that we as humanity rediscovered who we are and what the big truth is and how we were Hashem helped us live according to that which is obviously the rest of the mitzvahs so what happened at on Shavuos. What are we trying to work our way up to for when we celebrate Shavuos? That's the question. What what's a, an idea that we can have in our head when we, um, you know, during the two days this year, beautiful days that are going to be Friday and Shabbos of Shavuos, and and what is the mitzvah according to Ramban that we have to tell our children? And um, and what that is is that in the in our deep subconscious of Am Yisrael. And, you know, by extension, probably on some level, the whole world, because we know that everybody heard about Matan Torah, everything stops. Remember, everything stops. In our deep subconscious is the absolute knowledge and awareness that we exist as part of a much greater reality. And knowing that and seeing that is very comforting, reassuring, and changes the way we think about ourselves. Caveat, digression for a half a second. The ideal experience uh, that people sort of um, uh, people uh, uh, try to achieve when they go and take certain particular chemicals, molecules that are found in LSD and mushrooms, yes, and ketamine. Okay, the mind provides for the person in ideal circumstance a sense of what they call dissolution of the ego. We talked about this a few weeks ago this illusion of the self, where the person sees in their mind's eye that they sort of lose their sense of individuality and all that goes with that, my problems, my issues, my fears, my anxieties, my, des my desires, all fades, and it sort of like merges with the entire creation and they experience a deep sense of truth and peace and knowing that this is true, okay? Somehow it's in our subconscious. This is not a mystical experience. They're not in a VM. They don't come back and become great human beings very often. Sometimes they do. Okay. That's why our experience is followed by mitzvahs. Eight mitzvahs after the first two divros, straight into behaviors, because having this experience does not turn a person into a tzaddik. Okay. It could help them if they want to go that way. But this is, believe it or not, an experience that people try strive to uh, have through chemicals. But is there another way to get it other through chemicals? Well, if it's in our subconscious, yes, there's other ways to get to it. There's now there's I was reading about breath work. No, but there's a different way. It's called Torah. There's an actual way to get to that experience without putting chemicals in your body that could be very damaging. Okay. There, the body, it, it's there, it's in our subconscious. It, we can retrieve it and we're supposed to think it and imagine it and 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 try to feel what that's like and all of the torah the entire torah one way or another is teaching this message this is the underlying message of all the mitzvahs all the stories the idea that you a human being are one with not just the creation or the universe it's much much bigger than that it's way bigger than what Somebody experiences on a, on a trip, an LSD trip, that I'm part of the universe. And there's a good beautifulness and a love surrounding everything. Well, that's an amazing experience, right? Obviously, it has risks. Is that Kaylee? Yes, that Kaylee. Yeah, it's more, it, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Thank you, Bobby. She's bringing, Bobby Sandy, bringing up a great idea. We didn't just see that there's a oneness. We saw something much more than that that all of this oneness is contained, all of you, just like we are part of everything, everything is in us. Meaning that 
the it's above all of this is a Kaddish Baruch Hu. And he's speaking and working to us, but we have to know that so that we can be in sync with what it is that a Kaddish Baruch Hu is trying to say. Now, because we we have given been given a shortcut called the Torah, so a Kaddish Baruch Hu tells us this: if you want to know what I want to say through you and how I'm acting through you and how you're replicating me, I'm going to teach you exactly how to do it with mitzvahs. And and but the mitzvahs are designed to help us understand ourselves and our deepest connection. So it's not just an awareness, it translates immediately into mitzvahs. And essentially the value, what Yechezkel saw, which is much, 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 much more than whatever anyone could see, obviously on a, on a trip, which is the human being sitting, the image of a human on the image of a throne in the highest realms of Shemaim. This is the self-concept. This is, we are much more than our bodies, we're much more than our immediate circumstances, we're much more than the variables that make up our life, we are much more than the pre-selected um, components of our life, like who our parents are, who our kids are, what body we got, we're much more than all of that. And this is the self that we know, and, and like Sayandi said, exactly, exactly, I am, and me and Hashem, we're in this world. I don't know, it's a good, I have to think about that, I don't know. I mean, it's a good observation. He wrote about a Malik attacking Amisrael after the Yamsuf, but not, I mean, in other words, the Jews were were weak, it were weak, right? You're talking about that? They were like, they were, um, I'm, I'm le letting you mute yourself, guys. Unmute, unmute yourself. Let me take some questions. Don't turn that off. We're going to take a few questions. Yes, Lad. Yes. It's spelled with the ches? Interesting. A perach. Very nice. Beautiful. I love it. I'm going to ask the secret weapon, but that's beautiful. Saying that parcha nishmasam is from the root perach, a flower. And when an image flowers in a person's mind, like the imagination creates an image, it's like the flowering of an idea. It's very nice. It's very nice. Very nice. And flowers on Shavuos. Nice. You know what? That is so nice. I'm going to bring. I think it's so nice. I'm going to run it by Hirsch. See. <laughs> That is so nice because it is really the imagination. It, it causes, it's really true. It's a great idea. It's the flowering of an idea into something, you know. And it was so that was, because they're so flooded with so many ideas and visualizations coming in this nature and Yeah, well, it, seemed, it seemed to be a, that's what it, it was a momentary experience that contained everything in it. And, um, and uh, and and this this is and, and when a person okay let's just say how does a person teach it to their children? You can't teach it to your child intellectually. It wasn't an in, this is fundamental. Thank goodness that the computer that's still on. You can't, you know, when you when you do you know there's a phrase in Hebrew you know ikur chaser min the main thing is missing from the book. I almost ended the share with the main thing missing from the book. You can't you can't pass on this experience the intellectual information. So how does a person, what is Ramban saying? That you have to, pay, it's a mitzvah to pass it on. What Ramban is really saying, and is that, uh, and others come and explain this. Ramban is saying that when you teach Torah, it has to come with a, a sense of, 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 um, of um, the person teaching Torah has to have and convey a sense of the absolute, Emuna and enthusiasm and overwhelming awe for what they're teaching. So that, that's how you teach it. You teach it because you you teach it. You can't teach it in any other state but awe and joy and sweetness and a sense of astonishment and and a privilege. It has to come through in that way, which is why very interesting. Years and years ago, I I, I made a I started a new sort of. Um, habit has she told me this that whenever i teach non-religious people before i start teaching i say torah is not a book it's not some sort of response to you know a legal book that tries to regulate humanity i said we're going into an entirely different zone torah is not is a doesn't come as a response to humanity torah is the explanation of humanity so before we learn torah we have to stop we have to make a bracha 
We have to understand that we're leaving this realm. We're going to another realm. We don't bring the same ideas with us. We don't bring our preconceived notions with us. We open our minds. So you have to like create a separate space for Torah. Hashem gave Abraham all the, the bliss. He put him in a tardema. He had to put him into a separate space. Yes. The tardema is a type of nevuah. A certain type of level of nevuah is tardema. Yeah. Um, in fact, the level so deep that your intellect can't possibly process it. Your intellect's not working. It has to go right into the imagination and see it through Mishalom because it's overwhelming for the intellect. All right, everybody. Have a wonderful Shabbos. And we should continue to be able to perceive how Kodesh Baruch is working through us individually and collectively. Thank you. You're welcome, everyone. Thank Any you, more Esther. You're welcome. Any more good Shabbos. Good Shabbos, everyone. Shabbos, everyone. Thank you, Esther. You're welcome. Any other questions here before I end the meeting? I, I wanted to just say that Yes, yeah. So you know, people are looking for, you know, that quick, that quick, you know, revelation. That's why yeah. they turn to that. But this is this comes with a lot more work and a lot more gratification. After right, afterwards. correct. And a lot more lasting benefits. Right. <laughs> All right, everyone. Good to see you. Yeah. Good job, everyone. Good job.